0: Welcome back to Engage, everyone. This is Josuetta V. My usual co-host, Kay Jones, is currently under the weather, so I will be the only one speaking to our guest today, who is an amazing human being. They are a registered psychiatric nurse, addiction specialist, educator. They volunteered in leadership positions with many organizations, including the Queer People of Color Winnipeg, the Women's Health Clinic, and the Plug-In Institute of Contemporary Art. Uzoma Asaguara is the NDP Critic for Health, Seniors, and Active Living for Union Station. How are you, Uzoma?
1: doing well how are you
0: i'm doing very well it's so great to talk to you today
1: likewise thank you for having me
0: yeah no problem so i'm not sure if you would remember you and i actually met briefly when you were interviewed during your campaign by my close friend kenneth
1: castillo oh nice yes i do remember that at uh, portage place yeah portage place with
0: studio 393 and at the time you were doing your campaign and it's been a it's been a little while now so um that was back in summer 2019, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. So what are some things since then, these past two and a half, three years here that you've learned since getting elected?
1: Well, you know, I would say, I mean, that that feels like yesterday, but feels like also such a long time ago now. And it's, it's interesting to think of all of the things that have happened since that summer, including this pandemic, you know, which nobody saw coming, obviously. And, you know, I, I think, some of the big things I've learned since that time are really rooted in things that I've I've kind of understood about the city we live in, this province we live in, and is that people are really quite fantastic. Like people are awesome. You know, I I think back to even that day at at Studio 393 and being at Porter's Place and connecting with people and, you know, making a commitment to myself during the campaign process to be my whole self in that journey. Right. Like, There were definitely times leading up to making the decision that I heard from people who discouraged me from making some things visible during the campaign. Some people who would say things like, you know, maybe you shouldn't talk so much about activism or, you know, maybe like being queer isn't something you need to Be so public about during the campaign. And I mean, those were things that for me were just not going to happen. I I wanted to make sure and as our, our team wanted to make sure that we were campaigning in an honest and authentic way and in a way that really showed people that you can come from any background, any experience, you can have all kinds of identities and you deserve to take up space in the political realm. And since 2019, and since the election wrapped, what I've seen is just how much people connect with folks who are like them, who have lived experiences that they've had, folks who speak about issues that really matter to them and their families in a way that is not sort of the political speak I think a lot of people have grown tired of. And it's been really positive. So what I've learned from 2019 since you know when you and I connected is that the best path forward is the path that allows you to be exactly who you are and to show up as your whole self and to surround yourself with folks who support and believe that and live that as well. And, you know, I think that folks in Manitoba know the importance of having government reflect all of our communities and they want that. And so it's important for us to, to advocate for that and to take up space in those ways for those reasons.
0: Yeah, I love that. That's awesome. And yeah, it's really cool getting to speak to you now, and compared to when you were just starting your campaign. Because frankly, you seem just as real as you did back then, and you seemed like a very passionate person, a very driven person. And I was curious. Mm-hmm. You know, I've learned a couple things about you doing some research and such. But from your own point of view, what drives you to do the work that you've been doing and and continue mm-hmm. to do today?
1: You know, fundamentally. I, I really, I really want the world to be a better place. I really want our communities to be safer and f- more fair and equitable for everyone, especially, obviously, for those people and those communities who face barriers and systemic uh, challenges and discrimination that they shouldn't have to face in 2021. And, you know, Part of where that spark comes from is being raised in an environment where, you know, my mom set a really good example, a strong example of what it means to speak up and stand up, even when it's uncomfortable, even when you're not totally safe, you know, and, and demand that people treat you with full dignity and respect. And you, <laughs> I think back yeah. to the time when I was a kid, this is like such an interesting at the time, it's an awkward experience, but I remember there used to be this fair, because I grew up in St. Norbert, just, just south of the city, mm. and there used to be this fair that would come through every summer, and we never had the, the money to really be able to go. We couldn't go, afford to go on any rides or anything. We would go and just kind of walk around and check it out, mm-hmm. but this one particular summer, we were able to go on a couple of rides, and one of them was the... I think it was the Ferris wheel. And so we go on this thing, living our best lives, right? Never get to go on rides, get to do it this time. And the ride stops, we get off the ride and I see my mom go up to the person running the Ferris wheel. And she's she's talking to him. Mm. and i can tell she's kind of upset about something so i go over and she's telling this guy that she's asking him why did my kids only get to go around on the ferris wheel like two times when everybody else's kids who've gone on this ride have gone on this thing like six times something along those lines right she she noticed that it wasn't fair and i'm standing there mortified thinking like i was just happy to go on the ride we, you know what I mean? That we never get to go on rides. I was just happy to get on the ride. Mm. Like I didn't, I didn't feel, I didn't like that. I felt like she was making a scene. I was like, just forget about it. Who cares? It doesn't matter. But she's, she insisted. And so this guy, you know, just gives up and finally says, fine. We get back on the ride and we go back around as many times to match what everybody else had gone on. And I'm just sitting there like super grumpy, like, you know, I can't even imagine what my face looked like on the second time we went on this thing. (laughs) Just as salty as a kid, you know? Just being like, why, why did you have to do this today, mom? Like, why? Yeah. But that situation has never left me because my mom made the point, and she said this to us, my children will not be treated any less than other children. My children will be treated the same and expect the same as any other kid here and anywhere. And she would not accept less than that. And even though it made us uncomfortable, even though it made a scene for her, it was about the fairness of it all. And that never left me. And it's, it's like a fundamental example of, of what it means to not let Any of that go right like we have to be able to speak up and demand in every circumstance that people are treated fairly. Otherwise, I would have just gone on in my life being perfectly happy to have just gotten on the ride. Mm -hmm. And I never would have had the expectation or the standard that I should be treated equitably in every experience. And so, you know, it's it's that pursuit of equity and recognizing that you have to fight for that, that really that really does drive me to do the work that I do.
0: That's incredible. And it's, I mean, hearing about something like that, experiencing things like that in a context such as, you know, a public carnival, there's people all around. It's not like, you know, a one-on-one situation where someone's mistreating you behind closed doors, like we're used to witnessing things like this in our day to day lives, just every day, honestly, we like have to kind of be ready for some things like that. And obviously, there's people like you who are going and and doing work to try to take down these barriers. But for like our listeners, and just everyday people who maybe witness something like Mm -hmm. this, just in their day to day lives, you know, what's something that just the everyday person could start consciously doing to break down barriers like that in our community?
1: Sure. I, I really appreciate this question um, because you kind of you kind of identified a really key component in that it's day-to-day, right? Like you said, these things happen on a daily basis. And sometimes they're not as easy to spot as others. And sometimes we maybe don't feel like we're equipped to address every situation. But I do believe that, you know, on any given day, on a day-to-day basis, there's something we can do, even if it's something really small that helps us to break down those barriers and make our communities a place where everybody can feel seen and respected. And, you know, on a basic level, it, it really does start with, with you as an individual. And it starts like usually at home or close to home. So it's interrupting those jokes that are told that are inappropriate, that are maybe sexist, misogynistic, racist. It's interrupting somebody when they make a comment that stereotypes somebody or minimizes another person's experience. It's stepping in when we see somebody being treated the wrong way, right? And you don't always need to know exactly what to say, but it's so important to say something and so often we don't speak up because we think we have to get it exactly right or it has to be perfect when in reality it's like you just have to disrupt what's going on you have to interrupt it and shine a light on why it's not okay and uh, it takes practice you know like it's something that I'm super comfortable being uncomfortable I'm really, really comfortable with making a situation awkward (laughs) because it's like, no, listen, you said this thing and it's messed up and I'm going to call you on it. We're going to talk about it. Or you told this joke and it's like, I'm not laughing. And actually, I'm going to ask you why you think that joke is funny. And you're going to tell me and I'm going to say, but who is it funny for? And you're going to say, who? And you say, but like at whose expense? And I'm going to keep asking you questions until we get to the root of why it's a problem. Mm -hmm. And it's going to be uncomfortable, but I don't really care because I want it for you to never tell that joke again or if you're inclined to to think twice about it. Yeah. and to think about who it affects, right? So it's about disrupting and interrupting what sometimes seems like a part of other people's sort of everyday comings and goings and knowing that we each have within us the capacity to do our own little part in making making things better. I Love that answer. For
0: anybody just joining in, I'm Josue Ravie, currently speaking with Uzoma Asaguara, NDP MLA for Union Station. So I've seen that you are from and for the community of Winnipeg. I've seen you personally in the city speaking with the everyday people. Like I mentioned, you stop by 393, our youth drop-in center at the time in Portage Place. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of politicians that I've not seen there before, but I was just wondering, you know, being someone who does so much and is is so for the people, obviously elephant in the room, we just had a global pandemic mm-hmm. that separated people a lot. I was just wondering how you've had to adapt what you do, how you've been doing it um, to mm-hmm. the restrictions.
1: Yeah, I mean, this pandemic has really, it's been devastating for so many people and communities in terms of shutting down entirely the ways in which people can connect. Like Portage Place in and of itself is a hub for community, right? You can go there on any given day. People are having coffee. People meet their friends there after work. They spend all day there. People learn English there. You know what I mean? Like Portage Place is a community and people not being able to have access to that space during this pandemic has been devastating. That's just one example. And, you know, part of the ways in which I've tried to stay connected to people, social media has to be a big part of it. I actually really don't like using social media um, I'm being like, I, I just don't, it's not like I'm, I'm, it, I don't naturally think about posting things and want to share things in my life on social media. I'm a very private person and that's been a challenge for me in this job is, is being better at communicating via social media, but it's, it's an awesome way to stay connected. It's a great way to share information and let people know what's going on and what you're working on and what goes on in the Manitoba legislature. So that's really been a great tool to communicate and connect with people and to hear from people. A lot of folks don't want to email. They don't want to call the office. They want to DM on Instagram. They want to send me a message on Twitter. I'm cool with that. Whatever allows me to be accessible to people, I'm happy with. I want for people to reach out. I want for them to know that I, I want to hear from them. But the other thing is like, you have to physically get out and, and connect with folks. So, you know, finding different ways to be active in the community you know when it was when it's nice outside we host different events that we can we can host safely art in the park is a good example we work with artbeat which is a great art based mental health organization in union station to put on art in the park you know they they provide uh, an incredible artist who leads everybody through an art session and that's always really well attended people of all ages all identities come out to this um you know i volunteer with Sunshine House and deliver food hampers throughout the, the cold months. That's what we were doing consistently every single week. And that was just a really great way to physically go and see people, kind of see how they're doing, right? Be out in the community and touch base, even, even just briefly. So, I mean, there are definitely ways to stay connected um can't go door knocking the way that we used to because of the pandemic but you know it doesn't mean that i can't walk up and down the streets of union station and just say hi to people and pop into places as we're able to and you know campaigning really um it forces you out of any if you had a comfort zone to like not engage with people you know stay in your little bubble campaigning forces you right out of that and so I'm happy to just walk around and chit chat with people and strike up conversation and just get to meet people in the area because it's such a, I mean, downtown and you know this is so concentrated, right? So it's, it's like you can walk pretty much the whole community in not very much time. And you can go to the dog park and you can go to the Forks and you can go to Memorial Park or park off Furby Street You can, you can go to a a lot of different spots and, and see people where they're at. And so we just try to make those efforts. That's awesome.
0: Yeah, so just wanted to touch on uh, another thing here, though. If anyone who's listening is perhaps, you know, someone from a group of minorities and is maybe interested in getting into politics in the future, do you have any advice for anyone in that situation?
1: Yeah, I would say bring your whole self to the table. Like, don't, don't, Shy away from or feel like you need to minimize any part of yourself to be worthy of pursuing an opportunity. There is a real value and importance to showing up authentically with with all of who you are and taking up space. And, you know, I, I firmly believe and I know this because I've other people have been that for me. Other people have been their authentic selves uncompromisingly so, unapologetically so. And that has sparked me and given me the permission internally to do the same. And so not only does that allow for you to, it just lightens mental and emotional space to focus on whatever the task is when you're not worried about hiding parts of yourself, or you're not worried about, you know, how folks are going to receive you when you can just be, you can then focus on, on the other tasks. And it also, it also allows for other people to do the same, which to me is, is really, really important and has been one of the greatest gifts I've received from others. And it's a gift that I, I think it's important to be intentional about in holding that space for other people as well. So I just encourage people, be you, be yourself unapologetically, take up space and know that there are many people who want to see you succeed, right? Don't be afraid to reach out, ask questions, ask for support. There are many people who want you to thrive and pursue and be successful and be happy and be healthy and know that you're deserving of all that support. So I'm I'm excited to see the landscape of politics changing. I'm excited to see the voices being amplified look and sound and feel more like what our actually our communities actually are, and I want that to continue. I want that to continue to happen so that politics in Manitoba looks like the communities of Manitoba. Absolutely.
0: How can our listeners find and keep up with you, and if uh, those able support you,
1: folks can find me on social media. <laughs> Please reach out on social. I know I said I don't love social media, but. Hit me up on social media. So Uzoma Aseguera on Facebook. It's you Aseguera on Twitter. Um, I think on Instagram, I'm actually Uzoma Chioma because somehow somebody had my name, which, you know, Uzoma, pretty, very common Nigerian name, but uh, somehow the combo somebody already had it. So uh, if you look up Uzoma Chioma or Uzoma Aseguera on any of the platforms, you'll find me. You can also just email me or call my office Um, That information, you can just Google it, comes up right away.
0: Fantastic. And is there anything coming up in the near future for you um, that we
1: should be aware of? Great question. I mean, right now, actually, I'm, I'm going to plug our fundraising. We are in the summer window. So this is probably the best time all year for people to donate to whoever you support as a politician, whoever you support as a political party. And so I would love it if folks feel like they, they want to support Union Station, if they feel like they want to support me as the MLA for Union Station. Um, there is going to be an election at some point, right? So I would encourage folks to go on the manitoba ndp website and look up the union station constituency and uh, i've also got the link in my bio on my instagram and they can just click on the link and they can donate directly to uh, union station in our efforts to you know do a great job representing the constituents of union station but also getting ready to uh, you know hopefully win the next election here in manitoba
0: all right you heard it here and being that we aired this show on the radio one time would you like to pick which song would follow the interview today?
1: Ooh, yes, I would very much like to pick the song that follows the interview. So there's a song called, it's called Ubomi Mi Abumanga. So Ubo is U-B-O-M-I.
0: I think U-B-O-M-I. I have it.
1: You got it? Awesome. Sunil musician? Yeah. Featuring Masaki Yeah,
0: Beautiful. Sounds good. Thank you so much. I know you're a very busy person, but I, I greatly appreciate that you're able to take the time out of your day to come and talk to us and let us learn a little bit about you.
1: I'm so happy to be here. I I can't thank you enough for the invitation. I, I really appreciate being able to connect with great folks like yourself on such a supportive and affirming platform. So thanks for everything that you're doing and for making this space for me today.
0: Not a problem at all. Thanks.